It's a peaceful protest. We walking, raising awareness. Some of the injustice that we've been seeing is not okay. And as a young person, you gotta you gotta listen to our perspective. Our voices need to be heard. People are gonna look back. Our kids are gonna look back at this and say, "You were a part of that." I got a grandfather that marched next to Dr. King in the '60s, and he was amazing. He would be proud to see us all here. We gotta keep pushing forward. Sports are like the reward of a functional society. Sirius XM Sports presents Forward Progress, a weekly open conversation on race and sports in America. Here are your hosts, Jason Jackson and Kirk Morrison. Forward Progress back with you. It's Morrison, it's Jackson, and much to get to this week. Uh, in a little bit, we're gonna visit with Rob Jay. He's a broadcaster from Jackson State University. Uh, Sirius XM Sports locked in with some fantastic HBCU initiatives uh, coming up. We'll get you deep inside of that and those in a little bit. Uh, our Black History Month Spotlight. Going to focus in on the New York Rams. Oh, we're going to teach you a little <laughs> something in a little bit. Uh, but first, let's get into something that we all must tip the cap to, the Super Bowl <laughs> champions and a man who's connected to it. <laughs> He's already smiling if you're taking yeah. this on the visual side. Uh, man, what a game. I mean, just really a back yeah. and forth that ended up, the, sometimes you got to make a play at the end. You do, you do. Yeah, <laughs> I know Cincinnati fans wanted that play to go their way. Uh, but, um, man, one of the most dominating defensive players of the era uh, was able to just be so disruptive uh, and connected with uh, finally a potent offense that that could stand the test and and a victory for those LA Rams fans. Yeah, I mean it was uh it was great. It was uh it was fun to be at. You know, I've covered now this was my that was my seventh Super Bowl Jacks as a on this side, the media side, you know. I never got a chance to go as a player, but you know, covering it has been great and you mentioned it being affiliated with the Rams. Um, and doing uh, their pregame, halftime, and postgame coverage of every game. That was my 126th game on Sunday. From I'm not talking pre uh, preseason, postseason, just how many games that we've done. So the 126th broadcast uh, resulted in a Super Bowl. But you know, just being there at SoFi Stadium, Jacks, it was uh, it was star studded. I have I've. I know you've been to some events. I've been to a ton of events. I have never seen that many celebrity stars. I mean, just everything in one one spot. You know what I mean? I'm literally leaving the press box to go to the radio booth to do a halftime hit, and I bump into <laughs> uh, Buster Rhymes and, and Vin Diesel, and you're seeing like Martha Stewart and J Lo and Ben Affleck. LeBron, um, golly, Shaq was there, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. I mean, it was the who's who, um, and possibly, possibly because we we're in Tinseltown. I mean, it literally brought out a ton of stars, and it was uh, it was an event. It was a party, and it was it was it was well done by the NFL. And you mentioned it, we we had a great game to go along with it. Now, taking it a little bit deeper, uh, there, there was there's always the entertain, entertainment factor. Always uh, outside of all the stars that you saw, that uh, is a part of uh, the display. Uh, mm-hmm. And at front and center, 
would be uh, the halftime show and the many things that were centered around it. You were busy working, but I'm sure you got <laughs> oh, yeah. the context of, of everything that went down. Um, I, I would like your perspective, first of all, on how it was coming off internally uh, for someone who's almost 50 years old. I saw, <laughs> I've seen all the jokes. Right. Like, if you love that halftime show, it's, it's, it's time for your colonoscopy. I, that was <laughs> them all. Um, I don't know that that show can ever appeal to everyone. Right. But clearly there is a bridge that's trying to be built. We do take uh, as a sledgehammer to the shield whenever it called for. Uh, in right. this case, there's some people, uh, obviously, who embraced and really enjoyed uh, the nostalgia tied into the current events Correct. Uh, of the halftime show. Others said it was a whiff. Others didn't feel like it appealed to them at all. What was your view? You know, I, I'm a, I'll pause just for a bit because I want to go before the game even started, where mm-hmm. I really thought that the NFL did uh, a great job because... I always, for me, I, I always look at everything, the aesthetics. I look at just the way that the, the the grass or the turf looks, you know, the embroidery all around the stadium and in each end zone, right? And the end zone is the most important part of an NFL field, right? You get to the end zone, <laughs> you're all trying to get there. We yeah. all try to get there. You're right. But those end zones still, one end zone was painted in the back that said end racism. Uh, the opposite end zone said it takes all of us. That was still on the end zone lines for people to see, for all to see. It was still being displaced. They never took away that message. But Jax, I, I remember in the pregame show, we're getting ready and we're probably about, I would say, uh, it's about 45 minutes until kickoff. And I'm watching the clock because it's always something I look at you know, what do teams do that 40 minutes before kickoff, before they go in? Because it's a little bit longer than a normal pregame. So Super Bowl pregame is longer. So how do the guys maintain that energy, maintain that little lather they've worked up, you know, uh, don't get too cold, you no know, ready to roll. And so at about 42 minutes left on the, on the clock heading into, um, you know, getting ready for kickoff, both teams got up into their respective huddles and I immediately said I looked at my watch I said okay wow so here we go 40 minutes is the time and I thought both teams were going to go into their respective locker rooms Mm -hmm. and they didn't they each ran onto opposite end zones and lined up across Mm. and as they lined up across I said okay what's what's this what's going on but it was to honor the forgotten first it was to honor the Kenny Washingtons and Woody Strodes and Marion Motley's and Bill Willis and some of the guys who kind of broke the color barrier of the National Football League. There was a moment of silence, a moment of awareness, a moment of recognition. And then on top of that, they queued up a performance outside the stadium of Lift Every Voice and Sing. Now, I I get it. It may not have resonated with a lot of people, Jax, but it resonated with me that on the game's biggest stage, the NFL said, you know what? This is what we are. This is who we are. We have to do this. And it may not be for everyone, but 
it 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 resonated for me. I know it probably resonated with a lot of the players who were there. And in that moment to hear lift every voice and sing as you're getting ready to play the biggest game of the season, I thought it was fantastic. I saw the players' faces. They were into it. They understood of the how this game has been played and how some that have played it have been treated. And in that moment, I thought it was uh it, it was big, Jackson. And after that, they went into the locker rooms and they had about 35 minutes until kickoff. Right. But I thought the NFL used that moment and that time for some good and for some awareness and bring some of the things that we talk about right here on Forward Progress each and every week. I thought they brought that to the forefront. Way to use that platform to get there. As we know, Eminem performed with Dr. Yes. Dre Snoop, Mary Correct. J, and Kendrick Lamar. Um, and, and at the end of Lose Yourself, uh, there was a lot of reports prior to uh, the the halftime, probably I would imagine through the 900 rehearsals. Yes. <laughs> uh, of what was to come. Correct. And when I saw Eminem uh, take a knee on stage and put his right hand on his head and look downward, um, it, it, it did, even though I knew it was coming, right. it did give me a little um, sense of, you know what? Good for him, regardless of what he was told or regardless of what was reported. He wanted to at least acknowledge the fact uh, that that was a lightning rod moment for this league. Yeah. And that even though that the, the official court adjudication is through and Kaepernick is being compensated in that space, it's, it's not the same as being able to do what he wanted to do, which was try to have an opportunity to play in this league. Uh, the NFL denied reports that it was attempting to stop him from making the gesture. Um, it did occur. Your view on the dust up around it, and and if you picked up anything while you were there that that was was more of what actually happened versus <laughs> well, what what I do know is that in, in kind of reading just the numbers, um, I'm a big ratings guy as well, <laughs> and I know for for this particular halftime show. Uh, ratings were up 20 plus percent uh, from last year, which was the weekend. And maybe not a lot of people knew who the weekend was, but uh, they, well, a lot of, yeah, please, yeah, please, no, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I, you know, I, I should have said from the different age demographics. There you go. Right? Absolutely. But when it came to this particular show, um, they had a, a nice turnout because some people, literally just turn on to watch the actual halftime show It's quiet as kept people they love the game but then there's some people who really just come to watch the halftime show and i thought that just from from watching it and being there you could just feel the energy you can feel obviously the west coast vibe but i thought it was something for all demog age demographics from young to old songs that you've heard at birthday parties and um you know events and having Mary J. Blige be a part of it as well. She she sang her heart out. So you had all of these. And then Eminem, you mentioned, takes the knee. And I, I thought it was it was huge. It was big. And I think the NFL definitely was not opposed to it. As I told you when I looked at the numbers, the carryover was 41% more people actually tuned in and kept watching the Super Bowl. So there was a spike in the numbers of viewers mm. post halftime show. Mm. So everybody was watching it. And then all of a sudden, nobody turned away. They kept their eyes. 
on that show. And I thought it again, the NFL did a great job. This was, you know, a primarily all a, uh, you know, black crew outside of Eminem. Um, and, you know, just kind of laughing at some of the other guys that, Hey man, you, you know, you can give me your, your, your grateful deads and your stones and, you know, your maroon fives and all that stuff. He said, but this one, this one was for the culture. <laughs> this, uh, this halftime show was for the culture. And obviously no one's all, no one's going to always agree with it. 100% Jack, you know, that we, we, we're in the business of not everyone will be happy, but I thought for the way that it was handled, the way that it was prepared, the way that it came off, and then to have Eminem as well at the end, just sort of honor and understand that there are still things that Neil still need to be done. I mean, that that was the sort of the recognition I took. The recognition I took is that this is an NFL that is still, you know, has a you know lawsuit by a by a former head coach in the league that's still ongoing. This is a league that still has only currently two black head coaches with lovey smith and mike tomlin and you want to see more diversity so there are still things that need to be done on the nfl level but i thought the halftime show definitely uh did good for that aspect of diversity ryan mccarthy uh the league spokesman noted that they watched they being the league all elements of the show during multiple rehearsals this week and were aware that eminem was going to uh pay tribute to colin kaepernick who took that knee during the national anthem uh, back in 2016 and hasn't been in the league since. So you're saying that the NFL had, had to watch every, every rehearsal because they didn't trust Snoop. <laughs> <laughs> so they watch every rehearsal of everything every year. <laughs> that oh, is yeah. why they lay down some of those tracks. Ahead of Absolutely. Time. Oh yeah. We go, we go, we want to see everything. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. No doubt whatsoever. Well, congratulations. Yes. Uh, it's great to be a part of a team and it's great to be a part of a championship team and uh, uh, through over a hundred plus games uh, yes. to have that on the checklist, my man is, is, is something else. Absolutely, man. It was, it was a fun ride, fun ride. And um, you know, it was just like, wow, again, you know, it's you, you're just kind of in the moment and you see it and the, just the joy of the players and the stories you know, it's just, it's, it was a lot, Jax, you know what I mean? Because of, I mean, I just really quickly, I talk about Odell Beckham Jr., right. um, you know, a guy who, you know, was in New York with the New York Giants and then was traded to Cleveland and to see just the emotions for him and just how his legacy is now changed. You know, he's a Super Bowl winning wide receiver now. Um, some considered a diva, but now I think that he is one of this generation's, um, you know, biggest influencers. So now can he use his influence and, and, and do more? And I, I think that's the next part. Now, how does guys like that handle this success and where could he move into this space? Yeah. And a lot of rehab in front of him yes. yet again. Yeah. Uh, coming down the Avenue. But before all that, the, the finest moonwalk I've ever seen on grass. It was. That, oh. that is <laughs> <Nice>. challenging <laughs> with cleats on. All right, come on. Anyway, <laughs> we'll, we might have to break that down off yes. air on that one. Uh, when we come back, we dive inside a fantastic connection that you're going to find right here on SiriusXM, uh, many of the sports platforms. Uh, and a connection to it is an opportunity for uh, student athletes at historically black colleges and universities to showcase their talent in a way that they hadn't before. 
Rob Jay is one of the uh, broadcasters at Jackson State University. We'll talk to him about these initiatives when we come back. You're listening to Forward Progress on Sirius XM Radio. Back here on Forward Progress, he is Jax, I am Kirk, and we got a big weekend approaching. No, not, not just NBA All-Star Weekend or even my 40th birthday on the 19th. See, I slipped that in there uh, on y'all real quick. But uh, a huge weekend in terms of the HBCU. And we're talking about the Legacy Bowl that will happen down at Yulman Stadium down in New Orleans, presented by the Black College Football Hall of Fame. It kicks off, like I mentioned, at Yulman Stadium on the campus of Tulane University in New Orleans. It is the postseason all-star game, which will showcase the best NFL draft eligible players and a guy who was going to be part of the coverage at SiriusXM NFL Radio and SiriusXM ESPNU Radio will have the call for you. It's my guy, Rob J, the Jackson State University broadcaster. And Rob, just, just this momentous occasion for the first time, this attention for this Legacy Bowl. When you first uh, got the call that you'll be doing the game, just, just tell me how it all took place. Well, first of all, thank you guys for having me. I really, really appreciate it. Um, I got the call from SiriusXM, and um, they asked, would I be interested? in announcing the game, the Legacy Bowl. And I, I thought it was the wrong number. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I was so excited, uh, you know, for, from announcing Jackson State games over the years. Uh, this is uh, something really big for me. And knowing some of these guys in the game, or most of the guys in the game from the HBCUs and from the SWAC, actually, right? Uh, it's, 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 a, it's a dream come true for me, and I really appreciate it. Yeah, Rob will be joined alone by uh, Alcorn State head coach Fred McNair and former NFL defensive end Anthony Heron. They'll also have an hour-long pregame show that will be hosted by Jay, obviously Fred, and also Anthony from 3 p.m. to 4 p.m. Eastern, leading you all the way up to the game's broadcast. Um, look, for people who will be listening, who will be watching for the first time, Rob, what should they expect with the Legacy Bowl? Well, in terms of our coverage, we we won't, I guess, focus so much on the play-by-play, but we'll be talking about the history of HBCUs, the history of some of the players that have come through HBCUs. And uh, with Fred McNair in the booth, um, you know, we, we'll talk about, uh, of course, Alcorn and, 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 and how important it is for players to attend HBCUs and how we got to this point. Because this 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 is going to be great, man. This is the first time that something like this has happened uh, with with uh, black college football players, and yes. I'm just excited to see all of these guys come together. You know, they've been rivals for so long with with Jackson State and Alcorn and Southern and Grambling. And these guys are going to be on the same team, so it's going to be exciting. <laughs> what what's this sort of renaissance, I guess, or this resurgence of HBCU? Obviously, you've seen it at Jackson State with the head coach Deion Sanders and how I think the, the spotlight has been on the HBCU more so than anything uh, we've seen at Tennessee uh, State with Eddie George. We've seen also now Grambling State with the head coach Hugh Jackson. We're seeing this influx of guys from the NFL coming back to the HBCU. What have you seen as the highlights or the spotlight back on HBCU football? Yeah, and, you know, uh, you're exactly right. And we call it the Dion effect. The you Dion know, effect, okay. <laughs> when, you know, when Dion came to Jackson State and all of the publicity that he brought with him, and I think these other schools 
you know, want to get a hold of that and, 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 and catch that, that lightning in that bottle. And he certainly has brought a lot of attention to Jackson State. Some not good, some good. <laughs> you know, I don't know if you remember after his first win in the spring, he, he got on you know, this press conference and said, I just stole all this stuff. Yeah. No, oh, man, no. <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> but he has brought, man, he has brought some some great attention to Jackson State. And, and it, to me, it's really good to see these other schools getting these uh, top-notch coaches, like you said, Hugh Jackson and Bubba McDowell. And, and, and that's just bringing more attention to the SWAC. I always thought the SWAC and HBCUs had really good players and was just like a diamond in the rough. And I just, I was like, how can we get this message out? How can we let other people know about the SWAC? Because I'm telling you, when I um, worked at the NBC affiliate in Jackson, man, they always, they always put the, the, the SWAC coverage at the end of the newscast with about 10 seconds to go and, and all of that. But now, man, it, I, I'm just so overjoyed to see this with all of the schools, not only Jackson State. We're talking with Jackson State University broadcaster Rob J. He will be the play-by-play voice for the SiriusXM broadcast team for the Legacy Bowl coming up this Saturday, 4 p.m. Eastern time at the first ever HBCU Legacy Bowl presented by the Black College Football Hall of Fame. And Rob, you, you mentioned it. You're going to be telling some of these stories, stories of the young men, not so much of the game, the field, the, the play on the field. What stories do you want to tell? What stories you want to make sure when people leave this broadcast, whether they're listening, whether they're watching, that they walk away with something? What's that something for you? I want these. Uh, I want people to know just uh, the type of character these guys have. I, I interviewed last week. I've interviewed several of the guys in this game, and man, these guys are so genuine and so humble. Like uh, Ezra Gray with Alabama State, I talked with him and. He was telling me how, you know, he, he's a he's a, a, a big Christian. And he, after the game against Jackson State in the spring, he called Deion Sanders, Coach Prime, and, and told him that he appreciated how he was um, promoting HBCUs. And, and, and Michael Badajo with Texas Southern, I talked with him. And, uh, I mean, he did everything right that I asked him to do when it comes to the Zoom. He was on the Zoom early. He responded to everything. I just want people to know how how these guys are, man. These are some really, really good guys, man. And, and I, I don't think people really know. And I want that story to come out, how good these guys are. I really want to tell the schools. I call the schools to tell them, man, you guys did a great job with these players because, I mean, they're just professional and they were just so willing to talk and give their story. You know, what have you seen, though, in, in years past? And you talked about the Dion effect. And now we're, we're seeing some of these kids and having the opportunity uh, because these are NFL draft eligible type players. What did the HBCU football miss out on last year through the pandemic, not being able to compete? And then for some having to be moved to the spring, Rob, I know how huge an event this is, but just talk about what this can also do for more eyeballs on HBCU football. Yeah. Like I said, you know, with the spring, um, some teams opted out, some teams, you know, they use COVID as an excuse not to play. Uh, I guess they didn't want to get anybody hurt and all of that. But for, for Dion, he used it as a way. It was kind of a the way to get to know his players and to see what he had. And that's why he went through it with the spring. But I, I, I think, um, you know, people have been missing out on the talent in HBCUs uh, with, with Graham and Southern and all of these schools, man. Even Mississippi Valley, you, you have uh, Jerry Garner with Valley. He's a defensive uh, end with Mississippi Valley. And when I talked with him, I was like, 
I don't think Valen realized what they have with you because, man, he's just a fantastic football player. He kind of reminds me of, of like an Aaron Donald kind of guy, but yeah. he's just a lot of talent in the, in the swag and in, in the MEAC. <laughs> we saw that with South Carolina <laughs> State beating Jackson State. So, and I think Dion underestimated them. I really he did. did. He did. They got a little. <laughs> yeah, they got a little ahead of himself. He sure did. But man, it's just a lot of talent, and I'm so glad that um, with, with this game that people will see that. And you know, if, if you just hear it for a little bit or, or watch it for a little bit, you'll see the talent level in the HBCUs. Now, the game is on Saturday. February 19th, but on Friday, February 18th, SiriusXM will present a special HBCU Legacy Bowl preview show with Jay, with Anthony Heron, and also Charles Davis hosting live at 6 p.m. Eastern time throughout the year on SiriusXM. Our SiriusXM subscribers, you can hear all three hosts. You can hear Rob Jay. He's on ESPN Radio. Anthony Heron, you can hear him on SiriusXM Big Ten Radio. Charles Davis, you can hear him on SiriusXM NFL radio when you get down to this game what where can this go right the, the, the coverage of the legacy bowl the coverage now of HBCUs where do you see this going down the line Rob yeah I think this is the start of something that's really really special with uh, all of these guys coming together and uh, showcasing their talent I think this with, with this being the inaugural uh, football game uh, kind of all-star game for black college football I think this will branch out into other games. I, I think it, it uh, you know, could go with it being in New Orleans this year, maybe to go to, you know, another state next year or, or, or whatever. But I think this is the start of something real, real special. And I hope so. I really hope it will be. And then obviously we talked about the draft eligible players and now to see more guys have that opportunity. And if they do get drafted, what do you think now with the new NIL, right? Name, image, and likeness. I know we're getting deep, but when you talk about name, image, and likeness and seeing the top recruit in the country sign at Jackson State, before guys would kind of, I wouldn't say shy away, but wanted to go play at the bigger universities. When you see these opportunities now, what are you seeing from the player when you hear from them now? What are they saying about playing at HBCUs? They are saying they want to to level the playing field. That's what they were saying. And I'll give you a good example. And I'm glad you asked me that because uh, just the other day I covered, uh, well, I covered all of the sports at Jackson State. Right. I, covered, I went to softball practice. And one of the players is a transfer from the University of South Carolina. Okay. And I asked her, I said, why did you, why did you, why did you want to come here to Jackson State? She said, I want to level the playing field. She said, I want to play at H, I want to play at an HBCU. So I, I think, and like you said, with the NIL deals, that is kind of leveling it out a little bit. These teams, these guys realizing that, okay, I don't have to go to LSU and all of this. And, and one other thing I want to tell you, when I would cover the signings, yes. when I was at the TV stage covering the signings, and you would see the caps of, you'll see an Ole Miss cap, you'll see a Mississippi State cap, you'll see uh LSU cap. And I would I would just tell, I'll pull the guys to the side, I'm like, hey, man, just put the Jack State cap on the table, even though you're not. But, they, you know, I don't have to do that now. <laughs> like, right. Put the cap on the table. But, uh, no, nah, it's, it's, it's great, man. It is really good. Well, I was kind of focusing back on Jackson State, too. Obviously, it's a community. I mean, you had a chance to talk a little bit off air, but just seeing the attendance um, at a lot of these games this year where, you know, fans are being allowed to come back. And I think it's the atmosphere. You know, me being 
um, a guy who has been to a couple of HBCU games during my career when I had friends who played there. It, it was always an atmosphere. It was an event. How much of this event, the Legacy Bowl, can also, I think, kind of push toward what we can see in years to come with more and more fan attendance, but community participation? Yeah, and, um, you know, I, I think with, with, with all of these guys at different schools and all of the fan support from these schools, uh, like Southern, great fan base, Grambling, great fan base, Jackson State with a great fan base. Hopefully they will come to this game and, and support their school. And, and these fans are so passionate, man, about their teams and their schools and their players. I, I hope that this will, will bring out a lot of fans to this game. And I think it will. I, I really do think it will because of, of the fan base you talked about. Uh, the crowd at Jackson State, and uh, you know, I was talking about the stadium needed to be uh, refurbished. But like you said, when when it's filled up, it is rocking. When Southern's uh, uh, football stadium is filled up, it's rocking. Alabama State has a beautiful stadium, so I think these. Uh, I, I think this game will bring out the fans because, like I said, they're so passionate about their HBCU um, uh, uh, football and their players as well. The HBCU Legacy Bowl was part of the week-long celebration of Black culture and history presented by the Black College Football Hall of Fame to provide valuable exposure for HBCU students. And when I hear Black College Football Hall of Fame, um, this this month especially, as we celebrate a lot of our firsts, as we celebrate um, a lot of the names that don't get talked about, and when you hear Black College Hall of Fame, what are some of those names that kind of come to mind for you that were pioneers for the game of football? Oh, man, the, the first name that comes to my mind is Willie Richardson. Willie and I did the games together for Jackson State before he passed away, man. I, and I, I, really, I really get emotional talking about Willie because, you know, he played in Super Bowl three. Right. He, he led um, Jackson State. I think he led Jackson State to the 1962 championship back then. And he would always tell me, man, about all those guys, even his brother Gloucester who mm-hmm. went on to play for the Chiefs. And, um, I mean, uh, Charlie Granger, who played for Southern University. I, it's, I, I just, I, I really, I wish those guys, well, I know Mr. Granger's still around, but I wish Willie was still around and Gloucester was still around to see what, how important HBCU, because Willie was so passionate about HBCU football, man. And, um, you know, the, 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 the past names of, of other guys, um, yeah, you know, well, you know, Willie Totten, Jerry Rice, those guys right. still around from Mississippi Valley. And I just, I just, you know, oh man, I would just remember so many guys that's coming up that uh, really didn't get the exposure that I thought they deserved, you know, from, from playing back in the day. And, uh, and Willie was one of those guys, man. I, I really, really um, hope that, you know, some of those guys could, could see this, could see what's going on. Yeah, most definitely. I, I, I get you. I can hear it in your voice how you said, man, uh, you wish you had this sooner. You know what I mean? We wish we had this a lot sooner because there are more and more guys who didn't get this opportunity that could have been out there. They could have been uh, your household names or just just looking for that one player, that one person that can go out and do it. We see it in the uh, this past Super Bowl, you know, a guy who went to the FCS. Now, he's Cooper Cup, went to Eastern Washington. But we're seeing that you don't have to go to the big time school in order to be an outstanding player. You just need a shot. You just need the exposure. And I think the Legacy Bowl was giving those guys uh, some of that same exposure. Oh, absolutely. And, that, and, and like I said, and you, you mentioned the draft. I hope 
some of these guys do get drafted from this. I was talking with D. Anderson of Texas Southern, Texas Southern wide receiver D. Anderson, and he was saying, man, I just think that we, we're going to have at least five players drafted from HBCUs. And I, I hope so, man. And, you know, Aquil Glass, Alabama a I think he definitely may um, get drafted. Also, Marquise Bell with Florida A&M. And, um, and these, it's just so much talent with HBCUs. You know, for, for years they would say that these teams didn't play the level of football and, and all of this and all of that, man. But uh, be like, and, and like I said, if you can play, they'll come find you. Yeah, they, they most certainly will, man. Jay, this has been a, a pleasure. Uh, I know you're excited just as much as I am um, to be on the call for the SiriusXM broadcast team alongside Fred McNair and NFL former NFL defensive end Anthony Heron. It's the HBCU Legacy Bowl presented by the Plaque College Football Hall of Fame. Kicks off Human Stadium in New Orleans at Tulane University Saturday, 4 p.m. Eastern time. You can hear all the coverage on SiriusXM NFL Radio, which is Channel 88, and SiriusXM ESPNU Radio, which is Channel 84. Rob, I know you're excited, man. I can't wait to hear your voice on Saturday, and especially on Fridays. You also have uh, the kickoff show, the preview show, man. So a big weekend for you. I appreciate the time today, man. Thanks, Rob. Thank you so much. It means a lot to me for you having me on your show. Thank you so much. Kirk, what a great conversation uh, that you shared with us there. The cool thing I get to be a part of. Yeah. Uh, and really happy that NBA radio is providing this during All-Star Weekend. So the NBA uh, created an initiative that expands just beyond a game that's going to be played this coming Saturday, Morgan State and Howard University. Uh, a wonderful showcase during All-Star Weekend, Saturday afternoon, before all the really uh, big NBA uh, initiatives on Saturday night and Sunday roll out. Uh, it's just a glorious place uh, that will be heard on Sirius XM NBA radio. First of all, that game. Um, I'm so glad that I get to call it with Rick Mahorn, Rick Mahorn, one of the bad boys from the Detroit days. And it's all tied into this really cool program uh, called the NBA HBCU Fellowship uh, where they're going to be, I believe, upwards of 60 students that are brought into the NBA and NBA teams to learn the inner workings of the business of basketball, to have direct mentoring in that space. Uh, our friends at NBA Foundation, you know, we've been here since the creation yeah. uh, of that being, uh, wing of the organization. Uh, are overseeing things. So NBAfoundation.com for any details on that spot. I know they're taking um, applications for those fellowships through the 20th of February, uh, but I'm just really honored to be able to sit and call this inaugural game. And it feels like it's being billed as something that's going to be a permanent part of the process. And that's the key, not just having this one bowl, this one game, but making sure this is a historical thing that allows a, a platform jump um, for students of color. No, it, it, it was great, um, or it is great. And I think it's also SiriusXM's uh, new new initiative, new directive, uh, to have these showcases, to have these games. Uh, just kind of talking to a lot of the, the folks around our SiriusXM family, uh, during Super Bowl week, they were all down in Los Angeles at the radio row and mm -hmm. we we're just talking and they were just saying, hey, look, we're going into a different space. 
because there are so many stories that we need to hear. There's so many stories that need to be told and so many opportunities that are out there um, for, especially in the HBCU sector. And so I'm glad that the NBA can link up with the HBCU and that we can provide a platform to get that message across, get the games across. But uh, I think the, the recognition, you know, do you get a lot of, uh, you know, folks that, that, that need this, that need to have the, um, you know, the, the light shine even a little bit brighter. So I, I just thought it was really good to see just kind of where we're going out. And then I get the press release and I say, oh, my guy Jax is on there, too. And they mm-hmm. said I was the hardest working dude. I said, no <laughs> way. It's got to be Jason Jackson. Man. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm excited to, to be the play by play voice for this inaugural uh, game and, and look forward to how it grows you know, yeah. over the years. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, our black history moment, uh, let, let's let's make the record clear. There was. There was a real first yeah. out of New York as it pertains to uh, uh, basketballers from Harlem. Uh, we'll introduce you to the New York Renaissance when we come back here on Forward Progress. You're listening to Sirius XM Radio. Radio. We now return to Forward Progress. Here's Jason Jackson and Kirk Morrison. Kirk Morrison, Jason Jackson, our Black History Month moment as we continue to salute American history, which is what Black history truly is. Uh, before the Harlem Globetrotters, Kurt, yeah. uh, you had a team known as the Harlem Renaissance Big Five or the Wrens, uh, an all-Black professional basketball team founded in 1923, some 23 years before uh, the NBA was born. Uh, the New York Renaissance. Uh, it, it is amazing what African-American sports franchises had to do just to exist, number one. Right. More of a barnstorming type dynamic. But imagine trying to do this before there was an official league on top of it. Um, it's amazing. You look at NBA teams now and you, you have to imagine a time, even when, after the NBA formed, uh, a half decade of a lack of inclusion, even at the birth of the league. So we're going to go, you know, over 20 years prior to that and think about a game in a casino ballroom in Harlem, New York to get it all yeah. squared away. That's how you get down. We're, we're going to play. We're going to play indoors. We're going to do it in here. I mean, that's what caught me. I'm just reading up on the Rens and I'm saying, they played in the casino ballroom. Whatever and- it took. You know, now I actually see that more on the college ranks. Now we see these little college, uh, you know, those uh, uh, preseason uh, tournaments. And I'm seeing they're going down to, I believe it's like um, to Jamaica to what, what's the place down everybody's going to, Jax, to go play the little preseason game. Oh, uh, at Atlantis there. At the Atlantis. There we go. Yeah, yeah at Bahamas, the Atlantis. Yeah. They playing in the ball room. I'm saying, no, yeah, man. that started way back in the day, man. That started way back in the day. Uh, with the Rens, they started doing it. But, yeah, it was a nice little place that had, you know, comfortable seating. The um, overhead where you can kind of see down into uh, the ballroom floor. And so it was a great place to, to play basketball, especially early on. And I know it was hard to find venues that were uh, that would allow basketball especially for african-american men to play basketball this was an opportunity the rents uh before the world famous glow trotters to allow black men 
the opportunity to compete against white athletes on an equal footing. Uh, the 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 imbalance of it though was the, the a lot of travel. Right, right. like the majority of these games were on the road, barnstorming across uh, America, um, and there was you know you're unable to f- join any of those fledgling leagues, right? Right. Mm-hmm. We weren't having any black teams in the league <laughs> uh, prior to the existence of the NBA. And even like I noted the early stages of the league, but uh, one of the most successful black professional basketball teams for about 20 years, Kurt. Yeah. Um, and we're willing to take on anybody, right? They do, they weren't allowed in the, by yeah, the way, they, they weren't allowed in the league, but yet, Everybody wanted to see how would their league's champion face or how would they kind of go up against the Rens and how they would kind of, hand, you know, go up face to face and say who would, who would have the opportunity, who would win, like who had the upper hand. And it was the Rens half the time or more times than not just seeing them um, or reading up, I should say, how everybody looked to them as the the team nobody wanted to play but yeah you want didn't want to let them in your league that's the crazy part isn't that amazing yeah um they would they draw some folks in to your gate mm-hmm. um create that entertainment in 1932-33 season um the Rens compiled a record of 112 and 8 yeah. 112 <laughs> and 8 yeah. 88 consecutive games won now remember 82 games in an NBA season they won 88 straight <laughs> Uh, that is next level. I'm not going to say it was the most sophisticated uh, basketball ever. I mean, we had some, we had some victories of, you know, 34 to 25. <laughs> yeah, right. But that was just the era of that type of basketball. Right. But uh, right before 1950, when the team was disbanded, um, I think it was 1949 specifically. Um, and, and obviously you have the, the, the NBA is now existing and rolling and a year away from actually breaking the color barrier in 1950 that occurred in the NBA. Uh, but this team, thank goodness, was uh, in 1963 uh, mm-hmm. enshrined and inducted into the Naismith Memorial Basketball Hall of Fame. Um, obviously for its greatness, for but also for what it meant um, culturally uh, to this game. Yeah, I mean, just uh, kind of started the start, sort of the beginning. But I think also, too, um, in reading and, and up on the Rens, that this wasn't the only sport that many of these guys played. A lot of them also played baseball and were in the Negro leagues right. and showed just how athletic they were and show that they, they could play multiple sports, but it was sports that were, you know, or it was leagues that were for, for, for blacks because they weren't allowed to play anywhere else. So they can never compare or, or look at how they would have been on the, you know, the national front going up against everyone in the country, they were forced to just play within their own leagues. But it's glad to see that there were guys who were very worthy of being uh, just honored into the Hall of Fame because of being the first true, you know, teams that had to play uh, without integration. They had to play against amongst themselves, but they had some success. Before we get out the door, um, some current events as it pertains yeah. to black history. Uh, Aaron Jackson got my aunt off the couch and said, another Jackson getting it done, <laughs> providing some history, wins gold uh, in the 500-meter uh, speed skating event in the Winter Olympics uh, in a space where she almost wasn't even going to be able to compete. Uh, she stumbled during qualifiers. Uh, 
kudos and a big up to being a teammate um, to Brittany Bow. Gave up her spot, um, giving Jackson a second chance, and she did everything she could to honor that by winning gold. Yeah, it, it's awesome to see um, just how excited she was. And uh, the, the funny part is that I, that I laughed at was that she was so excited uh, when she was taking pictures, she actually put the medal on backwards. <laughs> she said, how did I put the medal on? I was too excited. But you could just see the joy in, in her and in the smile on her face. And I thought it was really cool that obviously we're in the Winter Olympics. And to be honest, Jack, you, you don't see a lot of people of color in the Winter Olympics. Sure. But, you know, Erin definitely uh, put on a display. She went out and took care of business and um, you know, the hard work paid off and she's not going to call herself a, a gold medalist. And the first black woman to win an individual speed skating medal at the Olympics. And listen, she, when it came down to qualifying, it right. was a moment of absolute disaster of having all the work you do, having this platform that only comes around every four One years moment, yeah. and you have a stumble. This woman was the number one ranked skater in the world. This is this wasn't something that was just handed to her. Right. This was a a moment where her teammate felt like, you know what, two things can happen here. Number one, our team can get gold because she's the best. Right. And two, a mo- a forever moment can occur. And it was great to see the smile on Aaron and Brittany's face right. as teammates. It's such an individual thing, but you are on a team. It's it's amazing for those of us that that, that played only team sports. Um, it's that that work and that that desire and that push when you're out there is so singular in, in other sports. Um, nobody to pass pass to, no defense to play. It's just you. <laughs> it's just you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, it's been uh, it, it, just just to see the story and to see that her dreams, you know, kind of come true. To see that, you know, I mean, it does take take all of us it, it does and to be able to put her up there and highlight her and you mentioned um the smile of success um and others of giving of themselves that i mean honestly that's truly what the forward progress is really all about right truly someone giving up theirs to um help out someone else and so aaron um i i salute you congratulations and now you can put the medal on the right way and take the pictures. <laughs> I, I love it. I love it. Our Black History Month spotlight spanning 100 years mm-hmm. of uh, Black history and in, in our in our look at things this week. Uh, congratulations to Ms. Jackson and uh, her entire family and the U.S. team. That's going to do it for us. We want to say thank you to Rob J. for swinging by and uh, sharing some insights. The broadcaster from Jackson State University is SiriusXM locks in. Uh, to some wonderful initiatives with HBCU um, institutions coming up. Uh, We'll hear the uh, Heritage Bowl as well as uh, the NBA and HBCU uh, basketball game coming up this weekend uh, from Cleveland's All-Star Game. Uh, For our producer, Pernell Brown, and my partner, Kirk Morrison, I'm Jason Jackson. We'll talk to you next time.